We started this series, and we're calling it Choosing Christmas. And, you know, you and I get to make a lot of choices in our life. That's one of the great things about God is he's given us a free will. You see, none of us are are robots. God does not have a little joystick up in heaven, and he controls your every move. You see, would it really be love if you love God because you were forced to love God? That would not be love. It's just like with a person. Would it really be loved if you were forced to love them? No. What you would actually want to do is you would like to willingly love that person. And God wants us to willingly love him. And so we get a chance to make choices. And sometimes we make really, really foolish choices and bad decisions. And then other times we make really wise, really uh, sober-minded decisions. And that's what I'm encouraging you to do Uh, in this series. Last week, we talked about how that you and I need to uh, move beyond just being easily offended. We can get offended over the smallest things. We talked about that, and we needed to talk about that. And then we talked about some of the big offenses. Those are the ones that really hurt, and those are the ones that really sting. And quite honestly, they take a little bit of time to get over. Uh, You know, if you've been through a time where you've been hurt or you've been betrayed, well, you don't get over that. You don't shake that off and run in on the next play. That stings, and it takes you a while, but God will help help us to be able to do even that. Now, today, what I want to talk to you about is another reality that we need to leave behind. We're not going to carry it into another Christmas season. We're not going to, you know, just allow this to be uh, a part of our lives. We're going to leave it behind. Last week was being easily offended and, and just saying, I'm done with that. And once and for all, I am done with that. I'm not going to keep carrying that around for the rest of my life. And I shared with you that illustration like a, like a heavy boulder, a heavy uh, rock that you and I, after a while, we just carried around and just get heavier and heavier. So here's the thing that I want to talk about leaving behind. And there's some language out of the Bible that says that we can do this even beginning today. And that is leaving behind shame, leaving behind shame. Now, this is a reality for a lot of different people. And I want to talk, uh, talk about it for the next few moments that we have uh, together. You see, this is what I believe. I believe all of us have struggled with shame. Some of us have struggled with it in the past. Some of us have struggled with it uh, currently. But all of us know uh, what, in some regard, to some degree, the reality of shame. And if you have experienced that, or you are experiencing that right now, then, by the way, there are numerous people in the Bible who know exactly how you feel. Uh, a few years ago, it's probably been seven or eight years ago now, that, um, that uh, I was reading a book, and I love to read. Most of you know that. I always have about three different books uh, going on at one time. Right now, I currently have, I think, three, maybe four going on. And, and I know that's strange, but I can't read. Uh, Dr. Hackett, I can't read one book very long. I've got to read a little bit, and I'll put that. You understand that, right? And then put it down because I've got to move on to the next one, and I'll make my round. So this is a book I read about seven or eight years ago, and I held on to the statement because I thought it was profound in many ways. This particular writer says, think of all of the substandard people that God used in the Bible. Uh, Sometimes the greatest were the ones who messed up the biggest, and we know that. And then he gives examples. He says, Moses murdered a man, Abraham was a liar, Jacob was a cheater, Rahab was a prostitute, David committed adultery, the apostle Paul even murdered Christians, and then he sort of wraps up that paragraph by saying, and God used all these mess-ups to do some awesome things. And so God can use us. 
And even if you say, well, you know, when I look at my past and some of the foolish decisions that I made, could God use me? And the answer to that straight out of the Bible would be yes. Now, before we reach sort of the practical side of this talk, there's something that all of us need to understand right here on the front side, and that is the difference because it can be confusing, and that is the difference between guilt and shame. Now, a lot of times we use them um, interchangeably, and although they may be loosely affiliated cousins, they are not exactly the same. You see, guilt, here's how they're different. Guilt is something that I feel when I've done something. Guilt is the feeling that I did bad. Guilt is the feeling that I did bad. How is that different from shame? Shame is the feeling that I am bad. It's not just guilt says I did something bad. Shame says I'm essentially a a bad person. And in many ways, as I I just briefly alluded to, uh, shame is actually uh, this attachment between the two. Shame says, I did something that was bad, therefore, I must be a terrible person. So I want you to understand that or they'll become overly complex and we don't need that to happen. Guilt is, I did something bad. I I feel bad because of something that I did. Shame says, "I I just feel like I'm a bad person. And certainly it's born out of things that we have done. Uh, There's another book that I read, and I can't remember how long ago it was that I read this book. Uh, The title uh, certainly captured my attention. We've heard this phrase, shoulda, coulda, woulda. And so it was written by an author that I was familiar with by the name of Dr. Les Parrott. It's a worthwhile read. And in that book, he says this, shame is not a gap between how we act and how we think we ought to act. It is actually the gulf, shame he's talking about, between who we are and who we think we ought to be. It is not the feeling that we have done wrong. Shame is the feeling that we, our very selves, are wrong. Now, let's talk about that. Many of you, most of you, me, I'm I'm writing this with you. We've done certain things in the past, maybe years ago, Uh, And maybe it's things that quite possibly only God and you or God and me are aware of. And yet, even though it may have happened years ago, just think about it right here, right now. You are still carrying around that shame like a ball and chain, like a permanent ball and chain you're just going to have for the rest of your life. Here's what I want to say. You don't have to carry it the rest of your life. You don't. And the Bible's clear. And you're going to see some verses that speak into that reality. And that's what I'm, I'm wanting to communicate with you today. There's just certain things in your life, whether it's being easily offended or uh, today what we're talking about is how do we leave behind shame next week. It's a very important message. You will not want to miss it, I promise. But how do you and I just say, that's enough. I have carried this shame around with me for so long. In many cases, I, I've known people who have just carried around for years and just keep carrying. And here's what I'm saying. Today can be the day with God's help that we lay it down once and for all. You see, here's the problem with shame. As Les Parrott uh, talked about and many other writers have indicated, uh, again, going back to what is the difference, guilt is I feel bad because of something that I, I did. Shame is I just feel like I'm a bad person. Now, you may have even taken it beyond that. And you may have, by this time in your life, personally defined yourself on the basis of what you have done over time in your life, in your past, and therefore, as a result of that, you have concluded certain things. 
Maybe when you've think, uh, thought about your own life personally, you, you've thought in these kinds of ways. Uh, you know what? I'm a damaged person. I am a damaged person. I'm damaged goods. Now, be, because, I, because I sort of move around in the world of frugality, and I'm like, um, you know, I, I just, uh, on basically anything, I, I just, I have this mentality, why pay top prices when you can get the same item, at, anybody with me, at a reduced price? So as a result of that, I shop at some places some of you would never shop. And you just got to know that when you're looking, uh, you know, sometimes, it's not often, but sometimes you'll see a little label on it that says damaged goods. Or, or, you know, there's uh, something, a problem with what was made. Let's take a a clothing item, for example. Now, you you may set that right back on the shelf. I don't. My curiosity causes me to say, well, I wonder what is damaged and how damaged is it? Now, if it's a shirt and it has a hole in it about the size of a softball, I may put it back down. But if it's something, my, I'm like, who's going to know? Who's, well, God's going to know. And, and the manuf- But besides that, I mean, hey, this is a good deal. Slightly damaged? Well, a lot of times that's not a problem with clothing or other items, but it is a, a, a problem when it comes to our life. If you feel like, you know what, because of something that I've done in my past, I'm a bad person, and I'm carrying around all this shame, I'm just damaged goods. Or a person defines themselves in this way, I'm useless, or I'm hopeless, or I'm worthless. How many people do I know that has that kind of mentality? I'm worthless, or I'm unlovable, or I'm so impure, or I'm broken, or I'm unwanted. Now, We're going to dig into this in just a few moments, but let me mention it right up here right now, and that is, that may be your own opinion of yourself. You may look at yourself, and you may say, well, you know what? That pretty much defines me. I'm unwanted. I'm broken. I'm impure. I'm unlovable. I'm worthless. I'm hopeless. I'm useless. I'm damaged. One of those things or a a combination of those things, and we may feel that that is who we are. That may be our own opinion about ourselves, but that does not, and I want to be clear on this, but that does not mean that God has indicated the same appraisal concerning your life. You may feel the way, what I'm trying to say is this, you may feel a certain way about your life, but it does not mean that God feels that way about your life. You just over time have begun to own that. And I want to share with you a verse that I hope that you will become increasingly familiar with. A lot of you are not even aware. This is going to be the first time you've ever seen this verse. You didn't even know it was in the Bible. But as soon as you read it, you are going to realize that this is exactly the verse that God wants you to see today, even though it was spoken to the people of Israel hundreds of years ago. I want us to read it together. It's out of the Old Testament book of Isaiah. Everybody, everybody, let's read it together. Here we go. Isaiah. Now, I know Isaiah right now looks like choosing Christmas, but it's got to change. Here it is. Isaiah 54.4. All of us, how many of you wave at me if you're ready? You ready? Help me out now. Fear not. You will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid. There is no more disgrace for you. You will no longer remember the shame of your youth. Isn't that a great verse? Look at that verse again. Some of you didn't even know I was in the Bible. Some of you now see it and you're like, you know what? That is a verse that God wants from me today. Fear not, you will no longer live in shame. And that's what God said. Why do you keep carrying that around year after year, month after month? 
week after week. Why do you keep carrying around your shame? You will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid. There is no more disgrace for you. It's time for you to come out from under that. You will no longer remember the shame of your youth. Now, I, I can't speak for you. Uh, I can only speak for me. It's not always easy for me to forget the shame of my youth because there's a lot of things I did as a young person that I'm not very proud of, and I feel quite ashamed about them. But the reality is I don't want to live under shame. Nor do you. And did you catch what God is saying? God is saying, I want you to stop thinking about those things in your past. I I want you to stop thinking about those things that are causing your life to be perpetually cluttered by shame. Now, let me just ask a question. I'm not going to ask you to name it. Please, please just know this. I'm not going to ask you to go to the tech guys, whisper in their ear, and they're going to put on the screen your name and your past. How many of you are glad of that, all right? How many of you would all of a sudden have to go to the bathroom or get another cup of coffee and you just keep walking to your car if you knew you had to do that? And so would I. So that's not what I'm asking you to do. Here's what I am asking you to do is, is this. You don't have to say what it is. And, uh, but I'll just ask you the question. Is there anybody here besides me that have done some pretty stupid things in your past? Could I just, could I just see your hand? Okay. For those of you who do not raise your hand, let me just say, I've got it covered for the both of us. I've, I've done enough idiotic things for the both of us. Now, what am I saying? I am not saying that we need to live. To forget our past does not mean that we deny our past. You can't deny what is a reality, a former, even a former reality. I'm not asking you to make excuses for your past, to say, well, you know what? Um, Well, I never, and this is easy for us to do. It helps to sort of, uh, you know, soothe our conscience. Uh, Well, I never would have done that had it not been for this. You know, and, and by saying, Uh, The fault was really not with me. The fault was in this circumstance or this person or this situation. The fault is not. No, we don't need to do that. We don't need to deny it. We don't need to make excuses for it. But this is what we do need to do. We do need to confess our past sins to God if we've not done that already. And if we confess our past to God, then we need to receive his forgiveness. That's how you get rid of shame. I've talked about this before. Have you ever done what I've done? I've, I've done something I've known was wrong, and I, and I go, and, and I ask God to forgive me. And the Bible says, in fact, I want you to look at this verse on the screen. Look at this. 1 John 1, 9. But if we confess our sins, how many of you have sinned before? How many of you know you need to confess them to God? But if we confess our sins, here's what God will do. God will forgive our sins because we can trust God to do what is right. He will cleanse us from what? Read the rest of it with me. He will cleanse us from all the wrongs we have ever done. Have you ever done something like this? Have you ever done something wrong? Have you ever sinned and then you confessed it to God and said, God, I've done wrong and I want you to please forgive me. And and according to 1 John 1, 9 and other verses that are similarly attached to it, it says that if we're true and repentant in our confession, God God is gonna forgive us of our sins. But have you ever done something like this? You confessed it, you repented, you received God's forgiveness, and then it wasn't five minutes later, you were right back to God. God, forgive me for what I... It's nothing new. It's just, just you know, sort of perpetual, uh, you know, uh, confession, 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 and confession is a good thing, but, you know, if you and I receive the forgiveness of God, 
according to the Bible as I understand it, God wants us to receive it. In, in fact, I've been so extreme in that at times, I, I, I think God is, has probably had this attitude. Jeff, do you think I'm hard of hearing? I mean, haven't you confessed this to me at least 83 times now? You know, am I hard of hearing? Do I have an ability to forgive? Do you believe? And according to 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Now, as it relates to sin, we always have to come back, and I want you to be sure you get this. You may want to write it down somewhere. As it relates to our sin, what is our part and what is God's part? Let me give you our, our part. Our part is to confess and to repent. Wave at me if you're with me on that. That's our part. In regards to our own sin, personally speaking, our part is to confess it and to repent of it. What is God's part? God's part is to cleanse and to forgive. Now, this next verse is such an important verse. And I want you to look because, uh, don't put it up quite yet, guys, because, uh, again, when you and I are true in our confession, and you and I are true in our repentance, that's our part, then we've got to believe that God is also going to be authentic in the way that God responds, that God is going to cleanse us of our sin, that God is going to forgive us of our sin. And and you know what's the amazing thing about God, that you and I, because of the the functionality of our brain, um, how many of you have ever tried to forget something that you've done stupid in the past? You've tried to forget it, all right? You ever? How many of you at least... Uh, 50 things you've tried that you've, you did stupid and, you, and you've tried to forget it. And you're human. The capacity of your brain is so incredibly wired by God that technically it's hard for you to forget it. But God chooses to forget it. God says, I'm not going to keep bringing that up. You know, we keep bringing it up. Here's the uniqueness of it. We keep bringing it up to God. I come back to God for the 83rd time about the thing. I keep bringing it up to God. But the beautiful thing about God is God doesn't keep bringing it up to me. This expression, you know, uh, people oftentimes when we make mistakes, people rub it in. You ever had somebody, don't point at them if they happen to be seated somewhere. You've made a mistake and they just rub it in. They bring it up and and you think, all right, it's done. They're not going to bring it up again. And they they don't, they don't. They don't bring it up for at least another 10 minutes. Then they bring it up again and start talking and just keep rubbing it in, rubbing it in. But the beautiful thing about God is God rubs it out. He rubs it out. He says, I'm going to forgive and I'm going to forget. And we keep coming back to God, maybe, over the same things, but God doesn't keep. In fact, I love this verse, Romans 8, 1, this very important verse. Look at it with me. Let's all read this one together as well. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Read it again with me. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Please listen, friends. Please, you got to hear this. If you have invited Jesus into your life, and that's what it says, those who belong to Christ Jesus, you've invited Jesus, you belong to the family of God, you've received Christ personally into your life as your Savior, the forgiver of your sins, the leader of your life, if you have done that and have confessed and have repented of your sin, then you need to lay down those burdens and you need to lay down that baggage today and stop living a condemning kind of life. I don't want you to carry it into another Christmas. 
You've been carrying this thing around for months on end, maybe year after year, maybe since you were a teenager, maybe since you were a young adult, maybe since last year, and you just keep carrying around again and again. And you just, you got to reach a point where you just say, no more. I either believe in God's forgiveness or I don't. I either believe that God is condemning me or I don't. The reality is, and we just saw it in the Bible, that God is not condemning us over past, confessed, and repented of sins. So if God is not condemning you, then what's the problem? Here's the problem. You keep condemning yourself. God's not condemning you. Where's the condemnation coming from? It's coming from you. You keep dwelling on the wrong that you've done years ago, months ago, days ago, and now you've defined yourself by it, and now it's not just guilt. I've done something wrong. Now it's shame. I'm a horrible person, and you're believing something about yourself that God says that you are not. Does this make sense to anybody here today? Dr. Les Parrott, let's go back to him for just a moment. I want to read something else he said in the same book. He said, when we experience guilt for too long, When we begin to define who we are by what we have done, our guilt turns into shame. He's back to that again. Our guilt turns into shame. But then listen to what he says next. A great Christian psychologist, he says, and shame strikes at our very identity, causing us to hate ourselves and believing that we are worthless. And that's what shame does. See, if I'm guilty over something, I feel bad about what I've done. I need to confess it. I need to repent of it. I need to allow God to cleanse me and to forgive me. But shame is different. Now it's no longer about what I've done. Now I begin to define myself in ways that I mentioned earlier. Now it's not just that I've done something bad. I'm just, I'm just a bad person. I'm a hopeless, worthless, unlovable, unusable person. Uh, God can't do anything with my life. I can't do anything with my life. So... Is our situation really utterly hopeless? Is there anything that we can do to detach from our shame? Unfortunately, I want to say to you, there is. And one of the ways that we do this, I want you to be sure, you may want to get this down somewhere. You at least need to have it embedded into your brain. You may want to write it down somewhere so you don't forget it because it's so important. And that is, here's a way to start detaching ourselves from our shame and saying we're not carrying it to Christmas we're done with this once and for all and that is to stop focusing on you and what you have done and instead focus on Jesus and what Jesus has done what have we done we've said all of us have we have fallen what does Jesus do? We sin, he saves. We've fallen, he forgives. What have we done? We have sinned and we have fallen. What does Jesus do? He saves us and he forgives us. And I want to just ask you a question. Do you really realize just how much Jesus loves you? Do you? See, what is problematic for a lot of people is because in this world among human beings, love is so conditional. Love is so conditional, isn't it? It's conditional. Uh, you love me, guess what? I'm going to love you in return. You do good for me, I'm going to do good for you in return. You hate me, I'm going to try not to hate you, but sure do make it easy for me not to love you the way I need to love you. And love is so conditional. And you know what we do? We layer that upon God and we say, well, you know, if, if people's love is conditional... If I'm loved on the basis of what I do, if I do the right things, I'm going to be loved. And if I stop doing the right, uh, the wrong things, then people are going to love me. The, re- the reality is it relates to God. God loves you no matter what. Doesn't mean he approves of everything you do. I want to be clear on that. 
doesn't mean that God, you know, turns his head and says, girls will be girls and boys will be boys. And, you know, I'm not saying that God ignores it. I'm just saying this to you. You can never do anything that would make God love you any more than God already loves you. You will never make God do anything that would cause God to love you less than what God already loves you. You know how much God loves you? Enough to down a cross for you. That's how much. Enough to forgive you. Enough to restore your life if you will allow him to restore your life. And maybe you're thinking about your life right now. I think most all of you are. And maybe you're thinking about the shame that you just carry around with you month after month, year after year. Maybe nobody even told you straight out of the Bible that you could leave it. Maybe you thought that you would just have to carry it around as your eternal ball and chain for the rest of your life in order to pay penance over the sins that you've committed in your past. And I'm just saying that is not God's way. You confess and you repent. God cleanses and he forgives. Maybe you look at your life and you say, well, I've carried this so long, didn't even know I could lay it down, but I'm understanding that today according to what the Bible says. But you know what, Jeff? There's a lot of people in my life that have given up on me. Some of you, that's happened. You've got people that have given up on you. They're just saying, done, over, finished, no more, had enough, sick of it. You've got people, you've got friends that have just said no more, and they've given up on you. And you know what? Maybe you've even given up on yourself, but I've got good news for you. Jesus will never give up on you. Jesus will never give up on you, and he has it now. I've, I've got three kids. Most of you know that by now, unless you're brand new or unless you've never heard me speak when you were here. I've got three kids, Brent, Drew, and Audrey. And uh, I was thinking about this and just trying to find something that would, you know, be sort of an analogy to what I'm trying to share with you today. My three kids could seriously disappoint me if they chose to. Now, it's probably not Audrey, but certainly Audrey's brothers could. Not, not her. Uh, but, you know, if Brand or Drew and even, God forbid, Audrey were to seriously disappoint me, let me ask you a question, and you know this as a parent. Are you going to give up on them? No. They've made me mad. They have made me so mad. Made me mad. My kids, and I, I'm, I'm not saying, uh, listen, I'm not saying this to try to appear saintly or to be like spiritual, spiritually superior to anybody here because I, I know my wins and I know my losses. I know my gains and I know my failures. And I'll mention this one caveat that I've done, I've done well in, but I'm not saying I've done well in all areas. My kids, if you were to quiz them right here today, they would say, I have never heard dad say even one cuss word in his whole life but they've made me think a bunch of them. (laughs) They've made me think a bunch of them. And I came really close with a middle child almost saying one. And in fact, I said the first two letters about three times. And then I caught myself finally. And I could still say they still haven't heard. They've made me want to cuss. And get mad. But they could disappoint me, but I'm not going to give up on them. Now, if you've been here more than once and you've ever listened to me talk, you know that I have three grandkids. Now we're talking. All right, now let's forget, let's forget Brandon, Drew, and Audrey for a moment. Kenley, Landry, and now Brody. 
Would I ever turn my back on my grandkids? Are you kidding me? There's not a chance. No way, no how, not today, not tomorrow, next, not next year. Do you think if I'm a very imperfect dad and a very imperfect papa, and I feel that way, do you think that God, who is perfect in every way, would feel any different about you? God loves you. And God's not giving up on you. You may have tons of people in your life that have given up on you, but God has not given up on you. I love this next verse. Why not claim this verse as your own? Look at it right here on the screen. Joshua 5.9 says this, Then the Lord said to Joshua, here's what you could do. You could hit pause and insert your name here. Then the Lord said to whatever your name is, then the Lord said to me, today, today, not next month, not next year, not the day after Christmas, today, your name, I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. I've rolled away your shame. Would you allow God to do that in your life today? Just go ahead and declare it today, not tomorrow, not on the 11th, not on Christmas Eve, not on January 1st when you turn over a new leaf. Declare it to be so today. God, you're saying to me today that you have rolled away my shame. I'm going to let you do that in my life. And as a result of that, God, you know what I'm going to discover? I am not hopeless. I'm actually forgiven. God, I am not worthless. I'm actually redeemed. God, I am not unlovable. I'm actually loved unconditionally. God, I am not unwanted. I'm actually chosen and adopted by you personally. And as we wrap up this talk today, I want you to fully embrace this reality. Because of the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for you, you can lay down your shame right now, beginning today. Would you do that? We all have lots to fill shame over. But just say no more. I'm done. I'm not carrying it. I'm so tired of carrying it. And again, you may have carried it for months or years or weeks. Just say today, I'm going to allow God to roll my shame away. I am to confess and repent. That's my part. But God, He cleanses and He forgives and He will roll away your shame. Carrie and Chris Shook wrote a book a number of years ago. It was a best-selling book. And in it, they write this, and with this, I'll close. Jesus doesn't have to say a word to you. He just looks with compassion right into your heart. He sees the guilt and the regret and the shame, but he does say something to you. He doesn't have to, but he does. He says that because of the power of his love for you, failure is never final. Because of the power of the cross, the ultimate sacrifice producing power over death, our weakness and failures and selfishness can never keep us down. They write, failure, I love this statement, is never fatal. We have the God of the second chance, and he wants to give us each the power to begin again. So would you do that today? Would you allow God to give you the power to begin again? Would you stand with me? Everybody, closing prayer. Let me just very, very briefly speak to two groups of people. Those of you who are followers of Jesus, and if you're carrying around shame in your life, here's what I want to encourage you to do if you've not yet done it. I want to encourage you to confess, and I want you to repent. That's what the Bible says. And then you receive the cleansing and forgiveness of God. 
And as God forgives you, I want to encourage you to forgive yourself. If you're not yet a Christian, then for you, it's to believe and to receive. Believe Jesus is who he claimed to be. Believe Jesus is the Son of God. Believe that Jesus went to the cross to pay the penalty for your sin, that, and for mine, and then receive him. To all who received him, to those, the Bible says, he gave the right to become children of God. And if you will believe him and you will receive him today, he will give you the right to become a child of God. And for all of us, followers of Jesus and those who are about to become followers of Jesus, we can then let God roll away our shame today. Right there where you're at, if you're not yet a Christian, would you just pray this prayer with me? Jesus, I know that I've sinned. I know that I have done a lot of stupid things in my life that I, I am ashamed of. I'm embarrassed by. I'm so glad that nobody knows aside from you and me what I've done. And I just pray in this moment that you will forgive me of all the wrong that I've done. I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that you went to the cross. Just say something. You don't have to repeat it verbatim, but in your mind, in your heart. I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you love me. Today, I want to receive you into my life. I want to ask you to become a Savior, my leader, the forgiver of my sin. I'm so tired of carrying around all this guilt and all this baggage, all these problems all these shame. I never knew that I could find true forgiveness in you and move on with a better, more free life. And I just thank you for that today. Come into my heart, Jesus. Make me a brand new person. While your heads are bowed and your eyes closed, if you just pray that prayer with me, nobody's looking around, would you just lift your hand up and say, Jeff, I prayed that prayer with you. I believe Jesus is who he said he was. I've received him today as a savior and leader of my life. Thank you so much. Now, God, give us all the power to become what you intended for us to be. Help us to know we are not hopeless. We are forgiven. We are not worthless. We are redeemed. We are not unlovable. We are actually loved unconditionally. And we are not unwanted. In fact, you have adopted us into your very own family. And for that, we give you praise. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I love you, everybody. See you next week.